Yo, yo, yo. How's it going? All right, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm good. I'm Is good. it? Uh, yeah, bile. Yeah. A lot. A lot's going on. I'm trying not to move too fast. I'm trying not to hurt my heart. I've been pretty good at that, if I'm being honest. Sleeping in an empty bed. I'm gonna leave my ex on red. Listen to what my therapist says. I'm gonna try, I promise. All the stuff I know right now. It came from messing up most of my twenties. It's changed for now, and I hope it lasts. I spent most of my life feeling quite empty. Lucy, the, the first ever. Oh, obviously, welcome back. Sorry if that's of, about my manners. Um, but um, the first ever episode of Talk Darby to me was me and you. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, backstage at the venue in Derby. Oh, classic, classic venue. Uh, I felt quite bad because I came back with a part of Guinness and Black and you was about three weeks over at that point. <laughs> I think I was about three months. Was it? <laughs> yeah. But that, that that's never bothered me, that. It's really? funny because, yeah, I've got lots of friends who, oh, should we go for a drink? I mean, I mean a coffee. And I'm like, you drink whatever you want. It's just me that doesn't. <laughs> yeah, fair play. Well, the, the I... reason I mention it is, like, this is the last one. So uh, it's kind of come full circle. Yeah, you're finishing it. I'm, yeah, I'm done. Romeo, done. Wow. Yeah. What what sparked that choice? Uh, just career move, but um, just time. Ran out of people to talk to. Just feel like it's run its course a little bit. Well, there's really great self awareness in. Well, not flogging a a not a dead horse, but. Dying not, horse. <laughs> that's not what it is, actually. Not that it's dying. What you've done is prevented something from dying. You actually immortalized something by choosing to leave. Yeah. Which is which is far bigger than letting something die. It like walking away from something while it's still burning is amazing. Yeah. And now I've been I've been going through a lot of personal stuff um recently that I've spoken to you about on a personal level. Like I've suffered with like sobriety and that's something I'm working on. Um and uh I like I've got like this big like laddie persona on here because we do a lot of footballers and stuff like that. But your your new song balance, I tell you what, when I heard it, it, it put it like I am filling up now it proper like it hit it hit me in a place I didn't know it I had. Put it that way. Well, it's always an honour to hear somebody relate to anything of mine really um i came across this uh theory the other day um by this uh professor elaine aaron who believes that about really sensitive people and um every time i speak to you i think oh you're one of you're one of them because i am and all i'm highly sensitive person i'm really sensitive to uh other people's feelings like proper empath uh like I'm super sensitive to like art, music. It will make me cry. Like that, and these are all symptoms of being a highly sensitive person. And if you get the opportunity to after this, just Google being a highly sensitive person, and you'll be like, oh, "That's me." Yeah. Oh, oh. But honestly, it's it's, it's incredible. Oh, one thing I want to ask is like, do you know for a song like that? Is do you have like an idea of 
because it fascinates me art wise. So the song's called Balance. So do you think right, right, uh, balance, right, and then I write a song about it, or do you sit down and write about things you're thinking about, and it turns in and becomes that song? For me, like it depends what kind of writing I'm doing because I'm a songwriter by trade as well. So I will go into a session and say to somebody, "What do you want to write about?" But when it comes to my stuff, I literally had a therapy session with my therapist, and we were talking about balance and how, you know, I'd been fiercely independent but there's a massive difference between being independent and isolating yourself from people's help for no reason and so I literally left that that therapy session and went and wrote that song because it was about what I'd just been talking about yeah and balance and, and it comes up all the time like what what else are we striving for in this life apart from balance yeah yeah exactly that how, how are you coping with with that side of things at the minute, mental health and, and stuff like that, like that. My my mental health. I mean, it's really funny. I was at my sister's for Christmas, and she said to me, "I saw your post that you were feeling depressed. Are you okay?" I said, "Yeah, no, I've just got depression. <laughs> just, it just, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not. I mean, somewhat. I had a friend who did die, and like, you know, that actually wiped me out a little bit. But it wasn't that. It was like the fact that I have depression." It's not that sometimes I'm like things overwhelm me and they do, but it's like, oh no, like I have a chemical imbalance. Sometimes I feel like this. And it's just that lots of people don't say, oh no, yeah, massively fucking depressed. Like right now, after realizing I'm, I was depressed, it helped me to start trying to counter it. Cause I was like, don't want to train. Can't be asked. It's really struggling with sobriety. Like, would love to just drink and go, can't be asked to feel these feelings anymore. D- didn't want to see my friends. My f- like I'd make plans and I'd cancel them. And then all of those things lined up. I went, oh, that's depression. Yeah. And then after that, it, it becomes a little easier. Oh, but oh, yeah, no, miserable few weeks. Uh, I was going to ask you about sobriety. How long is it now? It must be th- three years or so. Three and a half years, yeah. Yeah, because that's when we did our first our first episode. So yeah, just working backwards. Do you still kind of have to battle that? Because it's something I'm starting to battle, and I'll be honest with you, at the minute I'm finding it an impossible battle. Um, yeah, but it's yeah. Is it something you still have to battle? Yeah, man. Like, and you being open about this, lots of people swan about saying sobriety is really easy. And I, what I can confirm to you is that it does get easier, easier. Also, you're nuts for trying to do it over Christmas because, like, for real, I find Christmas really difficult because everyone's drinking. We're all triggered by our weird families that no one truly, like, you know, wants to be around that much. We're all put in high-stress situations where we'd rather just not feel it. And so you're totally normal for, for thinking this is a struggle. And in answer to your question, 95% of the time, it doesn't. it's not a struggle. To me, it's a superpower. Mm. It makes me feel great being sober. But there is 5% of the time where I'm like, oh, my God, I'd love to not feel this right now. Mm. I I had some surgery last, last January. And then I've had some tramadol in my makeup bag for, like, a year. And then this Christmas... 
my brain was going, well, you could just like have a tramadol sit on the sofa. And then I had to go, that's the same thing, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, that's the same as having a beer, you idiot. So obviously I haven't had a tramadol. But again, you're normal for feeling stressed by this. It's it's really funny you should say that because I haven't, I still live at home and there were tablets in the house and stuff and I've kind of and I've like my mates were now um do you, just have a diazepam like and then you then you then you don't want to drink and then and then you're like yeah but then I'm off made on diazepam so like I may as well have five pints. It's so funny because as humans, like the reason we drink so much and the reason we drink really as humans is because it diverts. So. We're like, oh, I feel this really extreme feeling. Have a beer, take the edge off. So, like, we stop having beers and we stop being able to take the edge off. And it's like, fuck, oh, my God, these emotions. Yeah. And the hard part of being sober truly is feeling. Yeah. I and mean, I bet, I mean, how, so, how did you say a few months? No, I did it a couple of weeks, but I've, I've relapsed. So I have had yeah. it over Christmas. Don't say it as relapse because that's recovery. Well, let me check myself there. Say it however you want to say it. But relapse and recovery and this, depending on which way you're looking at it, there is no failure here. Yeah. Like, this is your journey. Yeah. And a relapse would mean that, you know, people relapse from really serious illness and people relapse from really serious addiction. I'm not saying that you don't have an addiction or whatever, but knowing you... You just like had a little hiccup. You know what you want to do. You know you can do it. This is a really tough time of year. Jump back on and 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 learn from wait, where did I fall off? Why did I fall off? Just learn from it. Move on. There's nothing. Don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah, I won't. Don't be full of shame because everything in this life is just a lesson. I'm trying to learn to love myself and what's good for my mental health. I read a lot about self-help I'll never be polished I see the cycles happening now I'm responsible for shutting them down It took a while to figure that out But it's my job to stop it I am very much a uh, I'll do it tomorrow kind of person now So then Christmas comes and I'm like Oh, tell you, wait till January, like New Year, new me. Like, okay, do you know what I mean? I'm always like, I'll do it, and I'm going to do it, but I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, there's a temptation to do that with everything, and and uh, people ask me about weight loss a lot, and they say, Oh, yeah, well, I do want to start now, but it's Sandra's wedding in three weeks, so I'll do it after Sandra's wedding, and then oh, this Bobby's christening on that Tuesday, so I can't. And I go, Do you know what? There's always going to be something. So you have to accept, oh, actually, I have to do this now. And when somebody says to me about drinking, stopping drinking in three weeks, I'm like, I've already checked out of that conversation because I know they don't want to do it. So when someone tells me I'm stopping now, that's when I jump on board and say, right, how can I help you? We've got a um, a mutual friend who's done a few years, but we, because he's gone through like the program, we can't talk about it publicly. But I spoke to him about it a few months ago. And he said, you're not ready. He said, you're just saying it. He said, you're not ready. He's like, come back to me when you're ready and I'll help you. He said, but you're not ready yet. I can like tell you. He said, I've been through it. And he said, because you're kind of like playing at it. Not playing at it, but he's like, I can just tell you you're not ready. You're going to go and have a pint. 
do you know what I mean? So he said, come back. He's done two years or, or something similar. But yeah, it's the same thing, isn't it? You've got to like, for, you've got to, if you're doing it, you've got to do it. Here's the interesting thing as well. That's why I had to check myself about saying to you, you're not relapsing. Like I actually, I revoke that because you're doing whatever it is that you think you're doing. What I will say is people who are in the fellowship have a very set way of doing things that mm -hmm. means this is how we do it and you shouldn't fucking do it any other way. Mm. My opinion is go to the fellowship if that's what you want to do. Go and sit in the pub and drink alcohol-free beers, which is something you're not like at, at on on the, the fellowship. No. My way of being sober is completely different to your mate's way of being sober. And what I will say is anyone who dishes out advice needs to remember that we're all really fucking different. Yeah. He might tell you you're not ready, which is can be damaging, you know. If someone says to you, you're not ready, Blake, that tells you, that reinforces your it, your subconscious ego. It says, well, no, I'm not ready then. Do you know what I think? I think you are ready. I think you're ready to do whatever you want to do. And there's two voices. That, have you ever heard the thing about the two wolves? No. So inside of us lives two wolves and one is evil and one is good, right? And we think about it for you for sobriety here. One is drink, one is don't drink. The, the wolf that survives is the one you feed. Yeah. If you feed the wolf that says drink, that wolf is more powerful. If you feed the wolf that says don't, and you've got two voices, discipline, and all the other voices that have discipline. If you want to be something, you can do it. Yeah. Don't let anyone ever tell you you're not ready because it's not their right. Okay. All right. Thank you. I tell you what, you... I've said it's the last episode, but in six months, if I've, if I've done six months, we'll do a celebratory one and we'll have a non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Nothing is forever. Do you know, if you did a year of sobriety, enough would have changed in your brain for you to be like, oh, I think I can drink moderately. Like, who fucking knows and who fucking cares? Everyone is always trying to make plans. Fucking live right now. And one thing I do agree with, with the fellowship, one day at a time. Yeah. And that should be across life. We just do this thing one day at a time because I tell you what, we can make fucking plans and then you might die next week. So who gives a shit? Yeah, that's that's very true. Do you, do you have any coping mechanisms mechanisms for for the mental health side of things? Yeah, mine is don't kill yourself. Um, which sounds really bleak, right? It's a pretty good way way to start, isn't it? Yeah, it's like regardless of how shit things are, don't kill yourself. Because I know a lot of people don't talk about suicidal ideation and and the brain constantly being like well you could kill yourself my brain does that all the time my coping my number one coping mechanism is don't don't kill yourself <laughs> because everything else we can survive mm -hmm. and i know people don't talk about suicide really or like the reality of it but i do um other coping mechanisms is like being self-aware. So, you know, the other day I was like, I don't want to train. I'm not seeing my friends, all these things. I, I don't feel much. I had to go, oh, that's because you're depressed. So it's about like realizing I'm not sad. My life's great. I've got loads of privilege. 
I just had to realize that I'm depressed. It's my depression that's making me depressed. Everything else is okay. So I just need to work on getting rid of that depression. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's the poison. Everything else is okay. Yeah. Well, that got deep quite quickly, didn't it? <laughs> Uh, I, I'm only interested in deep conversation nowadays, Blake. <laughs> do you know, um, I, do, I will I have a quick chat about like what you're up to and stuff, because I was at home the other day and uh, my mum came upstairs and said, your friend's on telly. And uh, That's funny. I, I thought it was going to be like Dave from the, the Oak and Acorn on Crime Watch or something, or like, have you seen this man? And it was uh, yourself. On telly when with Simon Car, what's what's you probably got a new project lined up then? Yeah, um, well, my book's coming out next year, which is a lot, and then um, I met Simon about eighteen months ago, I think, and um, we ended up just being really fast friends. I didn't expect to be friends with Simon. Um, I don't know why. I think everyone's got pre judgments about everybody. And he loves my songwriting, so he signed me as a songwriter for his new publishing company. And um, he loves my song, Balance. And, yeah, we just started working together. I think there's a lot of people. I don't know. I just take every opportunity that comes, like I assess it and take it. And um, being friends with Simon has been great personally and for my career too. One thing I wonder about, and, and I have wondered about this even before thinking about this interview, is do you, do you have shows do the format like The X Factor? Obviously, when you went on, it wasn't as big. Like, you can go on, people, there's such big platforms people can go out on now and put themselves out there. Does a show like that still have a place when you can go out and maybe put your stuff onto TikTok and get found out that way and social media? Or, or, or do, you know, do you know what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think... I think it was 65,000 to 100,000 singles are released every day. Wow. Yeah, and I don't fucking know how many videos are uploaded to TikTok every day. However, with a show like that, 12 acts get the opportunity, and, and more actually, not even people that make it through to live shows, 12 acts really get the opportunity to have a literal vein to the not just the UK because the British X Factor is watched all over the world. It is. And there is no comparison to what that show has been. Mm. And also, social. There are people out there who are fucking talented, right? And they don't have the means to record. Mm-hmm. The they don't have the education to release stuff or to use tune core or even be able to you know, to afford the music to upload. There are loads of loads of social privileges that some people don't have, whereas they can queue up for 12 hours and go and do an audition. Mm. That's something I never thought of. Some people's parents are famous. Like, if you look at everyone who's in the charts, you're like, oh, so you knew so-and-so. You, you knew... Uh, thingy at Ireland or like do you know what I mean and then there are people like Callum Scott who literally went on a TV show and his life fucking changed his life would not have changed he was working in an office in Hull yeah working in offices cannot there's no link to to the you know the major labels in London 
the show is for working class, primarily northern people. Yeah. Do you think you'd have made a career in music without going on? Yeah. I think so. I already had one, to be honest. Yeah, I know you're still doing stuff, but you don't know, like the level that you're at now. And, and, and do you know what? One thing I have noticed with, because obviously a lot of things have been, there's a lot of articles about you recently because you've been back doing television shows and promoting stuff. And it's, I've not seen X Factor's Lucy Spragan as much now. It's just Lucy Spragan. Fucking hell, it's about fucking time, isn't it? <laughs> I know, but I've noticed that. And I was like, thank fuck for that. It's not X Factor's Lucy Spragan, it's Lucy Spragan. It's fucking funny because my name is synonymous with the show anyway. So I don't know why they need to like, if you think of me, you think, oh yeah, she went on X Factor. It's like, they don't need to fucking write it anymore. No, um, I've noticed it too. And it's interesting. Yeah, that shift is interesting. And uh, after next year, when my book comes out, I can fucking guarantee you they won't ever say it again. Really? Yeah. They'll say... Sunday Times bestseller, Lucy Spraggan. <laughs> of course it will. And you got there, that's it, day at a time. But uh, I can't, when does that come out? 20th of July. 20th of July, I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's good. It packs a punch though, man. Like, there's a lot of shit that I've never spoken about that people are going to go, what? Okay. So... Uh, uh, have you found that process has helped? I've spoken to people before and when you've written a book and, and things happen and that you've not spoken about, do you think that helps? The, yeah, the well, feeling? it's hard, but you realise a lot more things about yourself. And in terms of trauma, like the trauma for me started when I was a kid and it just was more like being like I was like a pinata of trauma just getting battered for my whole life and yeah writing it down it took me 10 years I I decided I was writing a book 10 years ago like as soon as I was on the show took me 10 years to like release it it's a long game is that an anxiety of the reaction? Do you get a reaction, um, an anxiety of what the reaction will be once it comes out? Or? Fucking hell, yeah. Really? It's a lot. And yeah. like, it will make sense when the book is out. And there are, there's loads of things in there. I'm being brutally honest in it as well. Like, petrifies me. There's not one thing in that book that I'm like, I'm, I'm telling everyone everything. Which leaves me in a really vulnerable space, but at the same time, it says at the beginning of the book, if one person is helped by the stuff that I write about, couldn't give a shit where it charts, couldn't give a shit if it plummets into the ground. If it helps one person, it's cool with me. Yeah. Amazing. You've always been there. I don't know why. Like Since we first met, I've always kind of been inspired and, and looked up to you and maybe annoyed you sometimes but I keep asking you to come on to this daft little podcast. You don't, you don't annoy me. You've, you've been... I think I think you're really you've got a lot to give as a journalist. I think you're I think you're really you've got it. Thank you. And I and I I have really genuinely hope that your journey with sobriety becomes what you want it to be and that your life I promise you, 
the one thing I can promise you is that if you show up for yourself every day, you will feel better. I promise. And and things like depression do sneak up and you're like, you little bastard, where did you come from? <laughs> but you'll, you will have given yourself the tools to get past that. Yeah. And, and it's gonna, it's all going to be all right. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I know. I know it is. Just don't yeah. kill yourself. <laughs> I never thought. <laughs> when I started this podcast three years ago, the last thing that would ever be said is Lucy Sprone said, don't kill yourself. <laughs> I'm being deadly serious. <laughs> Sometimes you got to hear it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. What, what else is, is coming up for you in the next year or so? You got, you're coming out on tour. You're coming, I need to come and see you. Yes, I'm out on tour in May. Um, the album is out in April, touring it in May, and then my book is out in July. And then I'm probably fleeing the country to go and hide somewhere. No book signing. Well, yeah, yeah. While everybody stews over that, I'll probably fucking be hiding in a closet in Thailand. Oh, it's it's been a pleasure, Lucy, as always. Uh, you know how much I appreciate your time. No, I'm sorry this has just been a complete therapy lesson, but I I, I believe in you but, and uh, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, I'm going to just like be sitting in my room. I'm listening to Balance on repeat going, I can do it, <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. Right, it's lovely to speak to you, my love. Um, Have a wonderful New Year. And you, um, Happy New Year. And, uh, and we will do. If I, uh, if I manage to do what I want to do, then we'll... Um, We'll do one and I'll, I'll celebrate it. The wolf that survives is the one you feed. Thank you. See you later. See you later. Thank you. Trying not to hurt my heart Cause I've been pretty good at that If I'm being honest <laughs>